Welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, featuring dynamic conversations with emerging and established visionary men on purpose. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the men on purpose who are committed, creative, courageous change makers, living their best, most fulfilling life possible. Now, here's the host of Men on Purpose, Ian Lobos. Everybody, welcome back to the Men on Purpose podcast. Today's episode, very special. And I know I say that every time, but this one is different. The guest is very different. It's a very different subject material. Before I get into that, let me remind you, you can get everything you need from mentalpurposepodcast.com. I, I'm, I'm so grateful and, and thankful to all of you who reach out and, and download and rate and review this podcast and subscribe and like anything you need is on mentalpurposepodcast.com. The show notes, the information for every guest, their Instagram handles, their websites, you name it, you can get that menonpurposepodcast.com or my website, ianlobas.com, I-A-N-L-O-B-A-S.com. Remember, if you haven't yet done it, please make sure you subscribe to the Mental Purpose Podcast on iTunes, right? Leave us a five-star review. Do me a favor, screenshot that. I know it's cheesy. Screenshot it. DM it to me, email it to me, text it to me with your address, and I'll send you a Mental Purpose t-shirt. And I, again, I know it's cheesy. I just, I think it's freaking cool. These t-shirts are freaking awesome and I want to get them out to everybody. So if you feel like it, do it. I'd love it. I greatly appreciate it. So here's the deal. Let me tell you about this episode today. Obviously, you know, my five E's, my promise, my commitment, our mission, elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve this podcast, the information, the guests, your education, everything that we possibly can do. I'm looking to elevate this thing each and every time. Now, my guest today, his name is Shu Matsuo Post, and Shu is a very extraordinary guy. She wrote a book called I Took Her Name, and I'm not going to give you too much more information on the book or the subject. Let me tell you what we talk about today. It's a little bit more depth than a lot of the conversations you're used to on here. So we talk about, just get ready. We talk about male authenticity, leadership, awareness, impact changes in society, vulnerability, sexuality, gender roles, feelings and emotions. We talk about his book. I took her name. Um, we talk about feminism. We talk about race, equal opportunities. We talk about challenging men's mindsets, right? The, the, the traditional stereotypical gender roles of, that men have. Expectations, the freedom in life and mind by making choices or releasing societal stereotypes. Uh, gender bias and expectations, masculine and feminine energy, the, the responsibility in parenting and education to uh, advise our kids on feelings and emotions, and then what we do to shift the scales. And I know that sounds like a lot, and it is. And the episode's an hour long, and I promise you, it gets deep. I get deep and very vulnerable in it, sharing my feelings, my emotions about things, and, and, and my genuine curiosity to, to shoo but just wanting to understand his views, why he wrote his book, you know, the, the, the messages he's, he's going for, the stand he's taking. It's really cool. Honestly, I, I think you're absolutely going to love this episode. So without further ado, enjoy this episode, this episode with Shu Matsuo Post. All right, Shu. Welcome, my friend. 
Ian, thanks for having me and inviting me to be on your show. No, it's, it's awesome because, you know, like, actually, obviously, we're just saying this off, you know, the recording, but I get a lot of people who send me um, potential bookings for the show, right? And most of them I say no to because, you know, my commitment to elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve, right? This podcast, the information, the guests, everything's got to be going bigger, better, but not in a egotistical way. I just want to give the best content, the best information, the best education, the best shifts and changes you can make in your life to just do your thing. And when I saw yours, I was like, I've never seen that before. That guy's an in. I don't care what he has to say. That's, that's interesting. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell the audience yet. You're going to tell them your story and we're going to talk about all kinds of cool stuff like authenticity and vulnerability and leadership and masculinity and femininity. Like we're going to talk about all kinds of cool stuff today. So do a, I just did an intro obviously in the, in the um, beginning of this, this show, but a little bit about you and then just like, let's, let's roll into your story, man. How you, how you are, who you are today. I think that's probably the best thing we can do right now. Yeah. Well, thanks for the intro. And um, first of all, I love your show. Um, it's so inspiring, educational, um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's such good stuff. You're creating so much good content, uh, content, and I'm so honored to be on your show. So thank you for having me today. Thank you. That's really kind of you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So a little bit about myself. My name is Shu Matsuo Post. I am a husband, a brand new father of a four, four month old son. Wow. Thank you. Um, and the author of my first book, uh, which got published on December 1st, uh, it, it's called I Took Her Name. Yeah. And um, I'm actually a real estate, uh, in the real estate business for my full-time job. I'm currently on the paternity leave, so I'm not working on that job right now. But my wife and I also have a small real estate business in the U.S., oh, so yeah. I know you're in real estate. Yeah, and, yeah. I yeah. didn't see that in your bio. That's awesome, man. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, my story, um, so I wrote this book because, um, you know, I wanted to share my message with um, men, other men out there. So when my wife and I got married about three and a half years ago, we decided to combine our last names. And what ended up happening in Japan, where I'm from, was actually I had to literally take her name to have the combined names of Matsuo and Post. So Matsuo was my birth name, Post was her name. Um, and because Japan doesn't recognize married couples to have uh, separate names um, by law, which is a huge controversy <laughs> today. And I, you know, when I went through that name changing process, I didn't realize how much this world was tilted in men's favor. Yeah. Well, let me, let me put it this way. Our society, I, I just definitely felt like our society was designed for men because so many women, most of the time it's women, uh, the wife, right, who, takes, uh, who ends up taking the, the husband's name all yeah. over the world, not just in Japan. And men don't really think about that kind of stuff until you know, we actually go through that process. And I did as one of few men. And I'm glad that I did because I saw something that I would have never seen. You yeah. know? Um, and you know, that's when I got to, uh, that's when I realized that, man, like if there is gender inequality in just the once in a lifetime 
activity like changing your name what else is out there in our everyday life and i started to do more research and i started to think about you know what what i go through every day and i just found a lot of things that i uh wouldn't have realized before and so back, um yeah. back up because i want to give the, the more of the genesis of this so mm -hmm. your your so your uh in order to do like a hyphenated right in order to do is, is that what it like if you were in the states it would be hyphenated in order to do a hyphenated name combining you had to take let me i don't i guess i don't understand it enough because is it so your wife describe your wife and talk about her so i i want to i want the audience to get it and, and myself actually to get a better understanding of why it happened like it happened what your wife's decision was your decision then the government's intervention and then how this whole thing kind of came about yeah so my wife is american um and we met in hong kong so yeah. i we were in hong kong at the same time happened to be working in hong kong at the same time so we met about six or seven years ago and um you know she is a feminist a, a big time feminist and I, at the time i didn't know what a feminist was yeah. uh, even though i you know i'd like to think that i um, believed in gender equality um, but she's the one that really educated me she's a teacher um, by nature so she educated me what um, a feminist is so you know at first when i fir uh, first heard about the term feminist i was like whoa hold on like are you one of those you know men hating you know uh, angry women um but she clearly isn't you know you don't have to be that to be a feminist and so that's something so i learned by meeting that you say that her. because it, it, I, in like i'll admit this same thing in my mind that's what came up yeah yep. and that's the biggest stigma around the word feminism right it's like men hating angry aggressive women um and that's what i thought too um but feminism is just you know believing in gender equality that's it so if you believe in gender equality you're a feminist um that's something that emma watson famously said a few years yeah. ago too and when i heard that i was like okay well, i i I can be a feminist. I should be a feminist. And, you know, that's when I kind of started my journey into feminism. Sure. Um, and then, you know, we ended up getting engaged and we naturally started to talk about our last names. Right. And she told me, Hey, I really like my last name and it is my identity. So I'm not going to just take your name when we get married, if, if that's what you're expecting. And I was like, Oh yeah, that, that's true. No, I'm fine with that. Um, even though I had never thought about, you know, um, having separate names with my sure. spouse or me changing my own name, right, as a man. Yep. Um, so we started to talk about, okay, what should we do with our last name? And since we wanted to have kids um, and we wanted our kids to have the same last name as us, we decided to combine our last name. So there's no hyphen uh, in between our two names. Okay, got actually. it. Actually, so got it's it. two, yeah, so it's Matsuo and Post uh, with a space in between. And we actually got married in the U.S. Um, so that's where we had a wedding. And the day after our wedding, we just went to a city hall and turned in our paperwork. Hey, we just got married and we want to change your last name. And then they were like, OK, cool, done. So it took like 10, 15 minutes max to change our last name. So I was like, oh, that was easy. And at the time, we we're actually moving to Japan 
um, and I wanted to change my name in my home country as well. So yeah. I tried to do the same thing by going to the city hall and telling them like, hey, I just got married in the US to an American individual. I'm gonna change my name to Matsuo Post. And they were like, oh no, sorry, you can't do that as a Japanese national. Mm. You have to have, uh, first of all, you can't combine two names um, or you can't have separate names in Japan by law, which I actually didn't know at the time. So I was like, well, what can I do? And then the, the guy was like, you have to go to the family court to plead your case. Um, so which is what I did, right. which is interesting. Yeah. So because in Japan, you have to have the same last name as a married couple. What happens is 96% um, of the time, it's the wife who ends up taking the husband's name. Sure. So I was uh, naturally uh, one of few men in Japan to go through this process to begin with, uh, let alone, you know, marrying a foreign national to have combined last names. Yeah. Um, so I had to, I pleaded my case uh, with, the, with this judge at the what family. Was that, what was that like? Like, are you, is the judge saying no? And then you have to convince me yes. Is it like innocent until proven guilty? I mean, I <laughs> yeah, I was so determined because I was like, because that's what I had in my mind. Like, no, I'm going to do that in Japan too. What's that? What do you say? I mean, obviously in America, it's probably much easier. Simpler, yeah. But what, what do you say in like to the judge to convince him? Isn't it just, this is what I'd like to do? Or like, what's that process like? Yeah, I wasn't going to take a no for an answer. So I was like, what can I do to make this happen? So that was kind of like my question to the judge. And then the judge was like, well, since you're marrying a foreign national, why don't you have her change her name first in her home country? And then why don't you just take her name entirely? So that's what we did. So I asked my wife to change her name in, in the U.S. first yeah. to Matsuo Post. So she, her identity was already different. So technically, I ended up taking her new name. Oh, um, cool. Okay. Yeah. Post. yeah. So that was kind of like a loophole. And I was able to do that only because I married a foreign national. So not um, a, if not, I married a Japanese national, no. Right. If I married a Japanese national, another Japanese person, I wouldn't have been able to do what we did, like combining last names. Um which is something that Japan is, uh, it's, it's a huge controversy to, um, for yeah, the government to change the law um, for, for married couples to have separate names or sure. you know, whatever the names that they, they, they want. But, but yeah. Guess, uh, people need to understand that, like, you know, it, this, this um, I think we're in like 96 countries, this is listened to, this, this uh, podcast. So I want to just make sure that people understand, like there's, like if you're if you're used to the U.S.'s way of doing things, which is a lot more lenient than most countries, mm -hmm. like it to me as a U.S. citizen, it sounds like, well, why wouldn't they let you? It's just what you want to do, right? And it's not hurting mm -hmm. anybody, but that's just not how it works there. So now let's get into oh, finish telling the story, and then I want to get into the the lessons. I want to get into the the like you your ego like things that you had to experience like i also want to i also want to get to know your wife a little bit more yeah so when i went through that process you know that really got me thinking like wow i i didn't know that i had to spend this much time and this much effort to just change my identity my my name you know adding those two uh, four letters sure. after my you know birth name right 
And, you know, I just felt like it's, it's kind of wrong to expect women to go through this um, by a, as a culture. And this is not just Japan. I think it's all over the world. Right? It is. And I, as a man, I never had to think about it because growing up, I thought my spouse was going to just change her name to mine. Sure. And I didn't have to go through this, right? But I actually changed my name too. And I got to experience this name changing journey. You know, I changed my passport, uh, passports, names, you know, driver's license, like every form of identity you can think of. And oh. it takes a lot of time. And, uh, you know, I wish I didn't have to go through this, but <laughs> I did. And, you know, that's when I realized like, wow, that's, uh, that's inequality. Like uh, there's a bias here. Yeah. Um, between the gen genders, right? And, uh, you know, if there's a gender inequality in once-in-a-lifetime activity like this, what else is there in our everyday life? Yeah. And that's when I really looked into the, the bias, the gender bias that we live in, the, the gender expectations that we're, we have in our lives. And this is by, you know, culturally, you know, they might be different, um, there are a lot of similarities between Japan and the U.S. And, uh, you know, I think uh, feminism is uh, gender equality, you know, promoting gender equality. And when we achieve that, I really feel like, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to free a lot of men as well. Obviously, it's about empowering women. Yeah. Um, that's the most important goal. But also, it's, uh, it's going to free a lot of men from, you know, those gender expectations that we live by every single day. So that's what I became super passionate about. And I wanted to write a book and publish it so that, you know, I've going through this process made me feel a lot freer yeah. than before. You know, I feel more connected with myself. Uh, I feel more vulnerable. I embrace my vulnerability yeah. and I feel more authentic uh, with my true self, um, which is something that I, um, I really enjoy. It's, um, it's not easy, but I enjoy being connected with my true self. Well, talk, talk um, about that because I think there are so many men listening that, like, I don't think they'll ever get to a place where they have to explore the deepest depths. And that's a, that's a part of the five E's that we talk about, involvement mm -hmm. and, um, and elevation, right, um, and empowerment, whatever. It's all five of them. You can, mm -hmm. you can consider it all five of them, but like, mm -hmm. I don't, th I don't think most men actually have to take that kind of look at themselves. And I mean, you, it's not like there was a huge fight and you didn't, you know, you were putting up this huge fight and all of a sudden, you know, your wife won, like it wasn't like that. Right. It was, it was, no, a very, not at all. It was a very clear piece, but really the biggest fight was between gender stereotypes or gender by gender rules maybe maybe unspoken right yes mm -hmm. i mean yeah. I they and are that, unspoken i mean i i've never i don't know anybody in the u.s i mean i just i don't know anybody it doesn't mean there's not people like that but i think the only country i've heard of is like iceland yeah. or like sweden where they i think mm -hmm. everybody takes the their dad's first name as their last name Some, something like i'm gonna I'm, I'm butchering that but like something like that mm-hmm you know yeah scandinavian countries are yeah. known for being yeah. gender super gender equal yeah. not like 100 percent, but i think some of the most gender equal countries in the world but still if you if you take it based on the number you said like 96 percent not right just 96 percent of of all women take their husband's last name 
that's pretty mm-hmm. unequal. But if Scandinavian yeah. countries are 50% or better, that's a lot closer to equal than, than 96% for sure. Yeah, I don't know about the last names, um, like, you know, the percentage uh, in Scandinavian countries, but there is this thing called the Global Gender Index Ranking, and they're, like, at the top. Um, I, I think Iceland is the at the top, and, yep. like, Norway, Sweden, they're, like, top five, and, and Japan is actually, like, one of the bottom countries, which makes me really sad <laughs> to be a where Japanese. Is, where's the U.S. Yeah, so on the bottom? Uh, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, okay. I can't remember the ranking for 2020 for, for the U.S., but it's not very high. Um, I was kind of taken aback. It's pretty, like, lower, yeah. It's not, it's not fun. I'm laughing. Side. It's not funny because, you know, I, the cool thing is there are so many things changing in the world right now. And guys like you, you, like, you, you don't, I Before I saw your request come in or from the people who book you, I never even thought about that. And in fact, I, um, you know, my wife's name is like hyphenated, right? Because it was important for my wife because she's the last of three girls with the last name Snow. So her last name is hyphenated. And that was important to her. And I, I didn't have a, it's not my life. I mean, I don't have a, I don't care. You know, I, I didn't have a, an issue, but I actually talked to a lot of people that did have an issue. And I think that what you're saying about vulnerability I, I don't think those guys could get that deep within themselves to actually make that call. It was this way or nothing, you know, mm-hmm. and regardless of your political mm-hmm. views and I'll get, I'll get, I'll go here. Like we just went through a bunch of that shit in this country where it's one mm-hmm. way or nothing. And that's not mm-hmm. how, that's not how things w- should be working. Now everybody mm-hmm. can't have their say, but it, it ha- there has to be a little bit more pliability. There has to be a bit, little bit more flex. Or if it's too mm-hmm. rigid, it breaks. This is what happens. Buildings flex, bridges flex. This is what happens. Structures flex. If it's too, if it's too rigid, it snaps, right? So you're one of the people that snapped some structure. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about the, the opposite of feminism is the, this patriarchal world, right? Patriarchy. You know, the system that favors men. And... Uh, you know, I, I, I think patriarchy is what creates the gender norms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some uh, experts talk about this thing called men box. So men are kind of trapped in this men box, um, which means like you can only be this way. Manhood is supposed to be just one certain way. You know, you got to be uh, strong. You got you to gotta be successful. And your success has to be measured with numbers, right? Whether it's your career, sports, um, you know, your physical strength, Height, uh, weight, yep. you sh- yeah. exactly. Yep. Um, you can't show emotions, uh, rather uh, other than aggression and anger. Um, you have you to, be, uh, I- I've talked to a lot of people about this. Like I told you before, like yeah. I carry, I carry more feminine energy than I do masculine. So like I have, I have yeah. bodies and that, you know, are, push-ups and good look i i lift weights and i go to the gym and i'm you know i'm a dude i have two kids obviously i have enough masculine energy but i choose to be more in the feminine in all honesty and i think there's a lot of guys that can't get that and they think they think mm-hmm. it's sexuality but 
I choose to be just that flow state. You know, and trust, trust me, I have a lot of aggression and a lot of uh, abrasiveness to my personality, but I choose mm-hmm. to be in that flow state. Like, why do you, why do you think men just cannot go there? Most men cannot I think, go there. Yeah, I think it's because uh, as a society, um, society values um, masculinity over femininity for men, especially. Because for men, being like a woman, being like a girl is the biggest insult right so that means those men think that um women are inferior to to men so we're you know men are better than women because if you don't think that way we should embrace femininity as well of course course. those yeah those qualities are so beautiful like being empathetic you know traditional uh feminine qualities right like being empathetic uh, being a good listener um supportive um caring and all that stuff those are beautiful uh beautiful characters and i think men should have those characters as well and to me that's being a good human uh, masculinity is a good good traits as well like being in control being independent strong um, but when you're only focused on those qualities that can be very toxic as well and there is no wonder why more men commit suicide um, because they don't um, seek help. Uh, most, a lot of men don't seek help when they need it um, sure. with mental health, right? So they end up um, killing themselves or um, hurting other people. And I really think it's because uh, those men uh, or us men have a very difficult time exploring the other side of the, sure. the, I guess, the gender spectrum. You know, when you seek out help and show your emotions, you know, there are people out there that want to help you. And when you share your vulnerabilities, it's a it's, um, it takes courage, but it, it feels great too. And when you get help that you need, um, that's when you connect with yourself and connect with other people. So I think more like men exploring like those feminine qualities is such an important aspect of our lives. I think I, there's so many, there's so many, I mean, I, our coaching business, we coach more, we coach men and women more men than women but still like about 40 percent women and um what's interesting is a lot of the bigger corporate guys um you know have been been running big companies or they're they they run very large businesses um they're they're very locked into those roles and um i mean frankly most men that we coach are coming from a uh, most men that get coaching and I'm saying get, get coaching because they're open to shift and transformation and vulnerability and digging in deep to find out what's up, you know, what's going on and the re, the results of the stuff that they're dealing with. But I find that most men, myself included, like we were so trapped between two worlds that we want to have that flow and the, and the ability to share openly and, and be honest and, and, um, you know, I just, I just assume, I just associate feminine with this, just like this, this beautiful, like just the ocean, just, just there, just, you know, just mm-hmm. undulating waves and, and power. And, but the power is used in a very soft way. You know, the, the ocean's very powerful, but it's mm-hmm. not like, uh, not like rocks falling against each other or, or lightning bolts, you know, crazy. Mm-hmm. And I found that, um, myself included like sharing well one 
you know, no offense to my parents because they didn't learn this, but I didn't know how to talk about my feelings. I didn't understand my feelings and I didn't understand what I was feeling or the emotions I was experiencing. So when you have that emotion of anxiety or depression or fear or panic or dread or whatever it might be, all of it that I learned, I learned this later on in my life through, through coaching, that all of it is not the same. You know, like I, no joke. At one time, 2014, uh, 2013, I was uh, very new in my real estate career. I was doing really well, but I was, you know, my house was in foreclosure. Well, vulnerability. My house was in foreclosure. Um, and just this shit was going down. Like, you know, repo mm-hmm. man's trying to get my cars. Like it was, it was bad. And, um, and I remember like telling a shrink that I felt dread and I felt like a bear was catching up to me and about to eat me. Like I felt like I was about to die. And I felt like every morning, uh, when I opened my eyes, the panic that hit me was like, I look over and someone's like holding a gun to my wife's head. Like that is not normal, but I didn't understand the, 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 gradient the level of those feelings because there's there's nothing so this shrink she was she was actually very good but best shrink i've ever experienced like she started putting stages on the different feelings and emotions and i think that one of my biggest challenges throughout my childhood and adolescence and even into college and beyond until i was about 30 was i no one ever taught me how to understand feelings and emotions so most of it came out as aggressive masculine energy but all but inside was this very um you know this feminine energy just being trapped and held like like captive by this masculine energy that was me expressing myself which really all I was doing was protecting myself from being hurt because the couple times that I did voice my vulnerability or my pain or my struggle I was met with resistance um, mm-hmm. made fun of, you know, in school, like things like that. And so you put that shit away real fast when mm-hmm. there's, when there's pain inside and then potential pain on the outside from other people are like, how can you not be conditioned to, to shut it down? And I, and I think that what I was getting at before by saying like a lot of the men that I coach, I learned this through them too, is that they're shut down because one, they we're just not taught that we're not talking about money finances, emotions, mental health, you know, in our schooling system. And I was talking to someone yesterday, there's a very big difference between the schooling systems that we have and education. Mm -hmm. Very different. Mm -hmm. What we're doing, this is education. Sitting in a classroom and getting taught what somebody wants to teach you, that is schooling. And that is very different. So I think now I'm going to task you with this. You're going to have to now stand up for these things and start fighting for schools to, I, I don't know what it is. I was just thinking about when you were talking, schools to start introducing um, an education on, on how to understand your feelings. Like how much would that help our, especially our men in society, women too, but especially the men in society. Cause it, it, unfortunately it is a masculine run society, it just is. Now that's slowly yeah. changing. Like the the amount of of women elected to large government positions in uh, in in twenty twenty was fascinating, and I think the be- the mm-hmm. most in history, right? Like most yeah. 
walls torn down in history this time. Mm -hmm. So what, what do you do? You know, like this is, this is why my coaching business is successful because I wanted to understand this for myself. And then I wanted to teach other men. Mm -hmm. Um, I, first of all, I love your story and I, there are so many similarities, um, that I have with your story as well. Um, I've, you know, my parents have told me, always told me that I'm, I, I was a very emotional child, you know, yeah. I was very expressive, my emotions. <laughs> um, but one day, you know, um, you know, I had a really bad experience, um, whether it was like a romantic rejection, um, or whatever that might be. And I just kind of shut myself down. Okay. No more showing emotions, no more showing feelings, you know, um, that's not good for me. And um, I started to suppress my emotions and, um, you know, kind of started to get the results that I thought I wanted. So, like, I just kept going at it. Um, and I was conditioned by the societal, you know, reconditioning and all that stuff as well. Um, and I realized I, yeah, I was only able to express myself with anger and aggression as well. But I knew deep, deep down I, I had feelings, but I kept ignoring, I kept um, ignoring those feelings and didn't spend any time or effort to kind of connect with those feelings. Sure. And, uh, yeah. And then I didn't like that at one point. Um, and I realized that during my journey, this like name changing journey and, you know, writing my book and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, going back to your education piece, I couldn't agree with you more. I yeah. think school needs to teach kids about, finance like real finance stuff yeah. uh sex sex education but real gender, sex education um, real yeah yeah exactly and like race and like you know all those yeah. intersectionality stuff i think it's super important to um teach young younger generations and that's the kind of work that i'm into right now so i've given some um speeches or like educational seminars to um high school students, elementary school students, and university students in Japan so far. And, you know, they, the questions that their thought process is so different from my generation, uh, which gives me so much hope for the yeah. future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's the kind of work that I want to continue doing. And at the corporate level, um, you know, we need to change the policies and the system itself, right? Unless the system changes, we're not going to see a massive change in our society because um, systematically we're set, set up this way we're set up to you know um, celebrate masculinity over femininity um, and you know we're we're in a system where uh, men are more getting the more benefits out of the system that we yeah. have right that's why we see um, pretty much all male leaders at the top uh, whether it's political leaders or ceos you know, uh, there are some fem female leaders out there, but we need more representation at yeah. the top so that we can see the, the systematic, the policy changes that's going to really affect uh, the entire society to change, the culture to change. So I think, um, you know, the senior leaders definitely need to be educated as well and actually take action for their organization, um, their community, in their community and their, in, in their institution that's how we're going to see the real change in uh, for gender equality. It's interesting you say like when, when you said that. Um, I, I there's a book and I'm trying to remember the name. I, I feel like it was called Escape from uh, Escape from Wall Street. 
I don't know why that just keeps coming up for me. But I remember reading this article about this woman who was a big level player on Wall Street, big level player. And she she said this is very tough for me to do, but like you know, the reason why I'm leaving is the reason why I'm so successful. And um and she said, basically, she was good, top of her class at Stanford, like, uh, you know, finance degrees and accounting degrees and, and uh, economics degrees and all kinds of, like, really great accolades from, from, like, scholastic accolades. And then she got on Wall Street and started doing really, really well. Like, the, the, the trajectory was going better than any of her, her let's call it classmates at, these, at this very big firm. And one day, she just had a breakdown. And the feminine poured out and she cried, right, on the, on like the cold call floor. And she got her ass busted. First of all, she was a very minority, very minority, right? She was an Asian woman on that floor, right, with a, a lot of white and Asian men. And she said that she got her ass busted so hard for showing weakness that that cover up, right? The masculine energy that she had to then like kind of the mask she had to pull over. It, it, it drove her so hard that if she's not the best, she'll die here. So she, she lost her family. She lost her, like she lost everything, her individuality, everything, her personality, just to be the best, just to be able to be the top dog and be able to fire all those people or, or discipline them or, not be able to be talked to like that because if you're the best, you're not getting your, your, your butt busted, right? So literally that entire thing for 10 years of her life, she took a traumatic situation like that and she turned it into a, a positive, if you really want to call it that, but the losses and the sacrifices that she made were so great that after 10 years, she hit this wall, and looked around and she had nobody. And I, I, I will get the name and I'll put it in the show notes. I'm going to try and find it. And I remember she had moved to, uh, she, she literally left one day. She left, went home, packed a bag, um, gave her keys to a real estate agent, said, sell it as is, don't care what you get for it, it's paid off, doesn't matter. Like sold her apartment and moved to the Caribbean and started a small business down there selling like, I don't know, like she was a, like a bar and uh, like beach activities. And I thought that was so neat. And I I remember thinking and, and talking to um, so one of my friends about it, like how interesting is that and how many people actually go through that to where they cover up so much just to be liked that their success, and I know a lot of CEOs like this, their success it got them to the top, like their, their success at the top is because of how fearful they were of a well-rounded personality. Right. Mm -hmm. And the emotions mm -hmm. and the feelings and the vulnerability that they felt that would never work in that world. That I think is where a lot of change needs to happen as well. You know, like yeah. I've gotten emotional with employees in both respects. I've, I've, I've screamed and I've cried. And both times my attitude is, I don't give a shit what you think about me. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm more upset with myself for screaming, right? Mm -hmm. I just, when I have people that are so capable, I want to, I'm, I'm screaming because you're like, what are you doing? What are you not seeing in your capability? I'm seeing it. Why are you, why are you so like mismatched? 
but the emotional pieces, like I had somebody mess something up once in my business. It cost me 12,000 bucks. And I was really emotional because they're such a great person. And they, I told them, you don't have to leave. Like you just learned a $12,000 mistake with my money and, and 3000 a year. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's best that you stay now. You're never going to make that again. And they, 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 they were so embarrassed they had to leave. And I was really emotional because as a leader, as a leader, like I, I didn't feel like I was open enough for them before that for them to come mm -hmm. to me and have and share with me what they were experiencing feeling so so my leadership journey opened up when i tapped into and accessed more vulnerability within myself and gave myself permission as a leader as a as a ceo like as a high level real estate agent at that time my 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 life opened up right my relationships opened up especially having a daughter i don't think that i'd be mm -hmm. the father i am today without understanding that level of depth with inside of me, right? Being sympathetic and empathetic to her. She is me. If you ever will look at my Facebook page and see all the videos we shoot, she is me just in a five-year-old female form, you know? Mm. Um, I, think, I think what you're doing is really fantastic because it brings awareness and that's key. Illumination is the first step. You got to be aware. You got to know if you don't know, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, to totally. Um, I think awareness, that's, that's exactly what I, what I want to do. I'm not telling anybody to do something like a certain way. Um, I'm just, uh, I kind of want to share my story so that people maybe ask themselves some questions that they never asked before so that um, people can like start to think about like, oh, what does this mean to me? You know, why am I acting this way? Is it because I'm a man and I've been conditioned to act this way? Because I'm a woman and I've been conditioned to act this way by society. You know, and when you start to question those things, like, you know, what I found was like, no, I don't like this. Like, I don't care about what society tells me. This is what I want to do. Right. And that's uh, usually where I find my courage and then like a vulnerability. And then I, I take action to, to go for what I want um, as opposed to what society or whatever, whoever um, tells me to, to go after. Uh, but yeah. Your that's wife, uh, that's the work in it. Mm. I, I, I wanted to ask you, so did your wife say to you, um, like she's not an extremist, right? She's, she's sounds like a really nice lady. Did yeah, she, say she is. It's this way or, or the highway or it's, it's, if we don't do that, if you don't do this, we don't get married or did she leave the choice up to you? And then what you discovered through even like, what did you discover just through processing this choice now without I'm making it, but what did you discover through just processing the choice of, 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 of taking her last name? Yeah. So when she told me that she didn't want to just take my name, um, I wasn't upset. That actually gave me the opportunity to think about myself. Cause if I said like, Hey, I'm not going to take your, just your name. Um, okay. So what should we do? Right. Cause if she's, um, if I'm allowed to say that, she should be allowed to say that too. So that really got me thinking like, okay, what can we do as a couple? Because it's not like, oh, because you're a woman, you're, you're the wife in this relationship, you should be taking my name. Like I didn't think that way. Um, or her comment made me realize like I shouldn't say that because um, I do believe that we're equal, um, equal partnership. So that kind of gave me the opportunity to go step further and ask myself or ask ourselves, what can we do? If we're, 
either of, of us um, is taking just the, um, the you, you know the partner's name, what can we do? And then inevitably the answer was to combine our last names. Um, so that's what we did. I love that. So it wasn't like my way or highway. Yeah. Um, it was more about, hey, here's the thing. Um, this is what I want. And what do you want, first of all? And what can we do as a couple? So it was very um, inclusive, I felt like, the, the way she approached this uh, question. So I didn't feel like I was threatened or pressured to do anything. Um, but it was more in the, I was more in the partnership with her to, to do what works for us as a couple. What I, I want to paint the opposite side because it's all it's a lot of um, you know pun, pardon the pun it's a lot of like flowers and roses and everything's pretty and awesome with what what you've done. What I, I want to know the other side. I'm just curious the backlash or the criticism you faced or have you faced any or is it or are we are we living in a more evolved world now or do you, is there, are there people that just I mean look we we have seen ignorance beyond what we ever imagined possible you know over the last couple of years and we um what have you been surprised with what how people have reacted to this book have you gotten nothing have you gotten some just shitty people what what's I'm curious um, the responses that I've gotten, the feedback that I've gotten, um, is overwhelmingly, it's, it's positive. It. And I feel, I feel, um, the warmth within me uh, when I read those messages and, um, I'm glad that I, you know, published it because I was so scared to, yeah. to kind of show my life, like be, be exposed to, um, what did you, you think know, would happen? Like, what were you actually afraid of being that vulnerable, like putting that onto paper, immortalizing it, basically? I mean, you never take it back. Yeah. So, like, what if no one cares about what I have to say? Or what if people would judge me, you know, for being who I am? Like, oh, my gosh, like, be a man. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, why are you supporting feminism? Like, that's for women's movement. Like, you're a man. Like, be a man. You know, that's the kind of voice that I had in my head constantly. So it took me a long time to like actually submit my manuscript because I knew once I did, I had to go through, like follow through. Um, but that's, you know, if, um, if you don't have that kind of voice in your, in your head, you're not doing something that's courageous. Like if it's comfortable for you, you're not challenging yourself enough. And that's how I felt. And I was like, okay, this is good. Like it, it's really challenging me. And the other side was like, I really want to do this because, um, you know, it's, this is who I am and yeah. this is the message that I have for the world. So I'm going to do it. And I chose to listen to that voice and I'm glad I did. Yeah. And as for backlash, I've gotten some backlash, um, that men shouldn't be supporting, um, or like I shouldn't be supporting feminism in this way. Like I'm just trying to get attention um, by claiming that I'm a feminist as a man. I mean, um, is, I'm is, that just a, like, is that a backwards person just telling you that? I'm not sure. Um, it's something that I got um, like anonymously. So I don't know who said it, really? um, but it sounds like this person is a, like a big time feminist actually. Um, they, they thought, that I was, you know, uh, I needed to check my male privilege. Like, like I'm just, just trying to, 
Exactly. Yeah, I'm just trying to do this to get attention or something like that. And I'm I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get attention to uh, to the issue that we have. Um, and then men need to realize uh, realize that you know this um, this is a real thing, and we need to be involved in achieving gender equality, supporting gender equality. So that's that's the kind of attention that I want, not for myself, but for for men to realize that this is a real thing and we need to actually take action. Sure. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's also, um, well, first of all, you have to live under a rock to think that after getting to know you and, and just seeing how genuine and authentic you are, I don't know, for the last hour, uh, you're not, this isn't self-serving at all. And, and if it is, it's, it's yourself, you're serving, it, it, you're getting served through the message that you're spreading, right? It's not like, oh, I, I'm going to, I have to spread this message to get attention because nobody's paying attention to me. You're saying, I, I want to get this message out there and subsequently I'm going to get attention for this and, and whatever. It's a bonus. That's fine. I'm willing to mm -hmm. take it. Like, like you said, I, you know, before you turned in your man, manuscript, I'm going to get, this is, this is going to come with something. Am I ready for whatever comes? It's so mm -hmm. small if you think about it, right? It's so small. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's, you're not like, um, you know, you're not fighting like uh, labor rights or, or uh, you know, maternity rights or, or things like that. This is actually very small, but it is a, it's, it's just a little, um, it's a little piece to the whole, to the whole feminism puzzle and, and pie. And I've really never mm -hmm. do dove into this subject at all. I've never really thought about it. Like the, the girl that I was telling you, Kate, I, I, I talked a little bit about it with her, but I, I, I've never, I've just never gotten into it with anybody because I don't know, maybe people don't want to have that conversation with me, but not, not even on here, just in my personal life, you know, and I knew some girls mm -hmm. in college that were like super feminists, but uh, I think that's where a lot of stereotypes come from because they were very vocal about their feminism, very vocal about um, uh, male chauvinism, like very vocal. And it was, a, it was a big turnoff and it didn't matter that they were feminists. It, it would have been a turnoff to anybody that was that extreme. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm anything mm -hmm. so i i think what you're doing is cool man i it, it's however you need to move the needle move the needle for the world it's awesome you know it's awesome thank you yeah and you know of course like i'm doing this to um lift up women um because they've been oppressed and i believe in gender you know every person having the same equal opportunities mm -hmm. To, to, to things and, and also I'm doing this for other men as well. It's, there are so many benefits for men, like feeling free. So what I mean by that is that, you know, if we're only allowed by the societal standards that um, we need to be like masculine, like, you know, this hyper-masculinity um, and rejecting femininity, like you actually, we actually giving ourselves the opportunity to explore femininity that we all have them within us, right? Um, men, um, obviously. And, uh, you know, we, by promoting this, we're gonna create a society that's, that's gonna celebrate, that's gonna embrace that part of us. And I think that's gonna be great. You know, we yeah. can share things, like share our emotions, uh, whatever we might be. And, um, and I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing for a culture and, uh, and that's going to free a lot of men to, to feel that, that, to know that manhood doesn't have to be a certain way. Yeah. It can be whatever the way 
that you want it to be, not by the societal norms, but you know, how you define manhood. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said, man. And, and I, 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 I was thinking about my daughter and all this, like when I first saw your bio come over, I was thinking about my daughter and how I could be supportive to her because it's, it, you know, since she was obviously since she was brand new, I've, I've had this mindset of empowering her from the inside so that, you know, when society, cause it's just, it just, unfortunately just is for little girls, especially in a time of, of social media, when society starts to push down, and, you know, if she winds up going to regular school, which I don't really, I don't care. I don't, I don't have any need for her to go to regular school. I like homeschool and private school. So it's, it's totally fine. But I want her to be so, so, so powerful inside that the exterior, it, it might, it might phase a little bit, but it's not going to tear her apart. Like, you know, I, I watch so many little girls who are just the sweetest little people, and then they go out into the public school world. And I'm not taking—I'm not saying anything about public schools. So don't, <laughs> don't get on me, not you, but don't audience, don't get on me for that. You know, I have my own opinions. Um, but like, they get ripped up by other women, society, little boys. Like they're just—they're just tossed around in the waves. And I just wanted my daughter to have a. a an incredible shot at owning her power as she goes out into society and becomes exposed more. Like I want her to own that from the inside and yes, she can take shots and shrapnel from the exterior. But like I thought about it, what would it, what would it be like for me to, to empower her internal dialogue, her internal structure, her internal self love and self care and, everything so she goes out to the world and it's just this beaming light and is unaffected or l less affected but then you talking actually reminds me like my son will be one next week and and it's actually more of what you're doing is for my son who like me and like you i'm sure as uh, my kid he's going to have a love a more of a level of emotional intelligence to him and emotional awareness because listen, dad's been known to cry at least once a week or maybe once a month at, at something that just brings up emotion to me. And I just let it flow. You know, I did a, I did an ayahuasca ceremony a couple years ago and it, I, I saw that my relationship with my wife was blocked because I wouldn't show emotion. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you, if anybody, you or anyone, anyone listening knows about ayahuasca. It is a very powerful plant medicine. And mm -hmm. it, when I got home, it shut me down literally by taking my knees out and I hit the ground in my, in my, my living room and my wife came over and I just, and it just like the tears just started. I, I mean, it was like, I never cried that hard before. Sure. And she saw that different side of me and I realized that it was fine and I was okay. And I, and I showed her that vulnerable mm -hmm. side and our relationship changed that day. So. Mm -hmm. This household is going to have a, some tears in it from everybody, and I want my son to, to not feel like he can't express himself. But the other thing, mm -hmm. like, like we were talking about in the beginning, is I want to make sure that, that my kids and anybody that, that comes across me, either as a mentor, a coach, a leader, a boss, a, some kind of figurehead in this, in this world, like, you can share your emotions. Just do it responsibly. Don't throw up on somebody. 
but yeah. be responsible and accountable and talk to somebody and say, look, I'm feeling this and I'm, I'm just not sure if this is this or this, but I'd like to share that with you and don't like mm-hmm. pounce on them. But you know, I, I, it's, it's totally fine. So what would it be like for a little girl to go out into the world and, and, and be a powerhouse, but not mm-hmm. an egotist, like, a-hole but just be in this beautiful flow of masculine and feminine and then for our son you have a son right yeah yeah for Mm -hmm. our sons to be able to show all their masculinity and then counterbalance into their feminine side and know their emotions and feelings like what type of people are we tossing out into the world and what kind of difference and 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 change can they make that's fascinating that's really fascinating Mm -hmm. yeah i think I think society and parents have done a better job um, having our daughters, like girls, explore, you know, the other side of the the gender spectrum. So like, you know, in the past few decades, you know, we've been, society has been telling girls to hear empowerment, you know, be independent, be strong. And I think those are great messages. We're not doing the same for boys. You know, boys are still stuck with uh, just be boys, you know, but we need to, do a better job raising our sons to to be more kind you know to be empathetic and then you know being able to show emotions in a powerful way you know there's a big difference between having your emotions control you and you you know controlling your emotions um but also like expressing them in a very powerful way yeah and i think we need to now that i have a son i feel very responsible to to raise my son that way um and uh, yeah, I think we, we got to do both, not just like raising strong girls and daughters, but also kind and um, yeah, showing femininity to our boys and sons um, is equally important. Yeah. I totally agree. And listen, if I have to, if, I, if, my, if the public school system or even the you know, general private school system, uh, you know, isn't supportive of that not that that's the only catalyst but like i i I think about the leader that i've be able i've been able to become by like bridging that gap and being counterbalanced in those energies you know what kind of leaders could we breed here if our school system could actually jump on board with that but then you gotta you've gotta really teach it at the at the school level anyway because then mm-hmm. you come up through it and then it's in college and then it's in the you know all that stuff. It's just a it's a giant cycle. I think we're at either we're we're in a beautiful cycle with it, right? It hasn't just started. We're in a beautiful cycle with it. But but you're right, and I and you might be a you might be a a trailblazer, buddy, with the with the male <laughs> movement for for uh, um, accessing. A, a different understanding of what being a male is, you know, gender role and all that stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. I didn't even think about yeah. that. I, I, I told you I, I wouldn't read your book until I had you on here because I, I, I honestly like to learn things about people live versus or during the recording versus me knowing a ton about you and then pretending like I'm asking you for the first time, but I already know. I, I actually like it the way we do it here. So I, I really. I really enjoy this. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah um, I think the, our leadership uh, needs more inclusivity. And then uh, I think being inclusive leaders is what makes a big change impact to the future generations, right? 
and you we talked about how important education is because you know there are the next generation the younger generation is you know they, they're going to be the ones to really make a change in our society in uh, in a decade or two or maybe shorter than that and they're going to be living this world um you know after us too so i think making an impact to that generation is so crucial um and in order to do that yes schooling system um the policies and systems in our society and culture they they need to shift as well so that it's going to make better sense for um the next generation so yeah that's the kind of work that i want to continue to be in and um yeah i i'd love to get connected with um other i, I know i know there are other leaders out there totally. who feel the same way and uh, yeah i want to continue to work on that that's good stuff man i love it well look let's uh i i could ask you like 20 more questions but i i I promise my editors I keep all these to an hour because some of them I, I give my editors and they're like, this is two and a half hours, man. What do you want us to do with this? So I promise I keep them to an hour. So, Shu, I, I really, uh, really appreciate you being on here, man. And, and thank your, your podcast bookers for reaching out to me and, and, and ensuring that I took another look at your bio and your messaging and your position and everything you're doing here. So like, I really appreciate you being on here, man. Really great message. Thanks so much for inviting me to be on your show. I'm, it's, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. I had a great I, time talking I, to you. I can't wait to get a Men on Purpose t-shirt in your hands all the way to Japan. Ah, I love it. Oh, yeah. you're wearing it. I love it. Yeah. I, I, will, I now wear one every day, man. Like, <laughs> I bought so many of them. And I, I did a last week, which not when this airs, but like in January when I was in LA, I did a post that said, send me home naked. You know, on Facebook, so I think I'm gonna go home naked. You know, like take all the shirts. I'm gonna ship all my stuff home, my podcast gear, my suitcase. I'm gonna ship it home before me. I'm only gonna maybe wear one shirt. And uh, and I, I said to people like, go on, uh, subscribe to Mental Purpose Podcast, and write a five star review, and then send me a screenshot, you know, privately, and your address, and I'll send you a shirt. And like, first fifty came in like ten minutes. So I was like, damn, I gotta. Order. Oh my gosh! Wow. Plus, I only ordered medium and large, and everybody was like, medium and extra large, 2XL. So I, have a, I still have a couple larges, but I, I just, it's cool, man. I'm fine. That's, that's totally fine. I'd love to, this brand is awesome, man. I mean, this, the, the way we took this thing and really ran with it and, and built it to what it is today, I mean, it was going to be mothballed when I took it over. So it, I, I love what it's, it's doing for guys like you to spread your message and, and then listen to other men who are, who are empowering and, and changing and elevating and evolving. I just love it, man. It's so cool. So thanks brother. Appreciate you being on here. Awesome. Thanks again for having me. My pleasure. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thanks again for listening to the men on purpose podcast, where our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests, or becoming a man on purpose, visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.